Hi everyone, and welcome to episode four of In the Trenches, a podcast about responsive learning experience design, where we discuss how to design and deliver flexible course content in a variety of modalities, settings, and situations. I'm Eric Ward, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Mike Vanderpool. In this episode, we interview my daughter, Dinah Ward, who is a freshman at The Ohio State University. We discuss what her first week of online learning due to the coronavirus shutdown was like, and we compare her experience with what Mike is seeing at Northwest State. Let's get to the show. Hey, Mike, how's it going today? It's going pretty well. Can't complain. Good, good. Well, we have a special guest uh, today, uh, my daughter, Diana Ward, and um, we're starting week two right, for both Northwest State and Ohio State of kind of online learning. And I wanted to bring Dinah on today to kind of get a student's perspective and also get the perspective of a different institution, right, and kind of compare and contrast what Ohio State's doing versus Northwest State and kind of go from there. So, hello, Dinah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, figured we'd just go through a couple questions and uh, go from there. So, Dana, how many classes are do you have this semester? Um, I'm taking four this semester. Four classes. Okay. And nice. Yeah. Hey, what do you that, take? What What are the Go ahead, Mike. No, I was going to ask. What is that? How many did? You, and those are all face to face classes, or yeah, were face to face? Gotcha. Right. What subjects are you Are you taking this this semester? Um, well, I have a literature course, and then I have a writing course, um, an anthropology lab, and then my Latin language course. Okay. And, I, you know, Mike, that's interesting because we talk about, you know, mostly about the courses you teach, which are kind of, you know, up our alley, right? They're more technical courses, you know, design, web design, those kinds of things. So it'd be interesting to see how some of these different subjects um, go online and how that works. So. Yeah, our, cool. ours very much lend themselves to actually, you know, doing stuff and having the learners do stuff in, in the environment. Um, you know, I remember because my um, my undergrad is in English as well, and I remember a lot of times there were classes where I just sat there and listened and maybe had a discussion, um, but not always. Yeah. Right. So, Dinah, what um, of the four classes that you have, what are some of the techniques and technologies that you're uh, your professors are using to keep connected and teach these classes now that you're online? Um, I mean, the only new thing is like using Zoom for the lectures because um, we used Carmen Canvas before. Um, and so all of like the submissions are now through like Carmen instead of maybe like handing something in in person. Um, and then half of my classes are like live Zoom lectures and then the other half are just pre-recorded. Um, and then one of my classes actually has like a discord server, but I mean, nobody's used that yet. <laughs> okay. So were you using the LMS before, um, for, for some of your classes where you, you do your submissions online and, and, and do you have course material there or were you using the LMS at all before? Um, yeah, we would use that just to have like a place where like we could collect all of like the information that we needed and sometimes we would turn in things like over the weekend like homework on canvas but um 
I don't know, it was usually just a pretty even mix between all of the classes on whether or not we were turning it in in person or online. Okay. And, and you said uh, you had the anthropology lab. So how have you, what, what's the, what's the lab work like? How has that changed? Um, I mean, that lab wasn't a very like technical lab. Um, we just measured bones. So, I mean, as long as he gives us like the pictures and the measurements, um, it would have probably been the same, but instead I think he's, um, I've done one of those so far he's adapted it a little bit more so it's more he's changed the questions rather than using the ones that were like specifically in the lab manual I guess just to make it a little bit more like instructive and useful so we like answer the questions like on more of like a subjective basis rather than with like exact measurements since we can't like actually measure things right Right. That, that's a big difference, Mike, with your classes, right? Where you're so used to having everything be digital that like your, your labs don't change a whole lot, do they? Um, no, not be, because most of our labs were um, breaking out into groups and doing whiteboard sessions and kind of the planning and talking through and then, um, you know, sharing our, our designs and then giving feedback in, in that, you know, our lab environment was kind of fluid like that. Um, so really I've almost, I've flipped it a little bit and some of that stuff is what we're doing now in, in the zoom sessions, uh, the synchronous sessions, because that's when I know everybody can kind of sort of at least be there for the most part. Um, and then followed up after the fact with, with uh, instruction or resources for them to, to use more like a flipped model which seems to be working fairly well. Cool. So Dino, how do you, you know, in your Zoom classes, are you mostly just listening and then asking the instructor specific questions or do you, are there any group work? Is there any group work or do you have any discussions with your, with your classmates? How does that work for some of your classes? Um, I mean, I haven't really been able to like communicate at all, like in class with any of my classmates, um, mostly because- how many people are in your class? Sorry to interrupt, but I think that matters. Um, how, yeah. how big are some of these classes? Yeah, it varies. I think there are about like 13 people in like my Latin class. And I think that one's the most like interactive, but we only really like ask questions to a professor rather than to each other because we don't really know how to like use Zoom very well because it was kind of just, they gave the instructors an extra week to like figure everything out. And I don't think that like figuring out how to become Zoom experts was really like one of their priorities. Um, I don't know, cause I've heard that you can like break into like groups in a Zoom meeting, but like yep. I've never done that. And I don't think that's ever something like we plan on doing. So there's no more group work um, for my writing class. Our final paper was actually supposed to be um, more focused on like having peers like review and edit your paper, like breaking into small groups and then having a small presentation to um, the entire class. And again, that class is pretty small, only about like 20 people. Um, but we just completely got rid of that. So it's no longer like anything mm -hmm. collaborative. Um, and then for my lab, I like don't communicate with like the professor really at all or even like my classmates because I used to have a lab group but now everything is just by yourself 
and my biggest class was my English um, literature class, which actually has about 160 people in it. So our yeah. lectures are like either live or you could listen when it's recorded. Um, they no longer take attendance. So it's really like whatever like is most convenient for you, like you can show up or you can just listen later. And we have um, a recitation section in that class. And that was like a little bit discussion based, like while we were meeting in person. Um, but now it's still mostly just listening to what our recitation leader um, clarifies about what we were lectured on. Right. So Mike, this, uh, this kind of brings up, it's interesting to hear that. Yeah. Um, I was in a meeting at, at, at work today um, and they were talking about some of the instruction that's happening at some of the two U universities. And somebody came up and said that what's happening now is emergency remote teaching, not good online learning. Right. And it's, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's too bad, you know, just listening to that, right. Some of the techniques, if they would just had a little bit of training or, you know, time to put some more thought into it, you wouldn't have to get rid of all of the interactive pieces. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, Zoom's interactive features and breakout sessions is what sets this apart from just a synchronous or an asynchronous lecture. Um, yeah, the fact that they actually devolved from doing that in this environment is a little, um, um, I don't know. I mean, again, the fact that they're under a huge amount of stress right now trying to figure out what the freak is going on and doing the best that they can and they don't know these things. And, and in all honesty, a lot of institutions widespread don't know these things. There's probably pockets inside of each of these colleges which are like, oh yeah, this is, we've done this for years. But like the amount of sharing that goes in um, at the university level, you know, when you've got so many different departments and that are already so big, like, I mean, I don't know how many students go to OSU, but it's, it's not, you know, our campus is having a hard time sharing and communicating and we're, you know, <laughs> that big compared to, to OSU. But yeah, that's um, the, and with the breakout features not being turned on by default in Zoom, I think that probably limits some people even thinking that that's right. We don't think about what we don't see, but if I, if it were turned on and I saw, oh, there's a breakout room, I might be inclined to play with that. But if it's not there to play with. Right. Yeah. Well, so I just, Mike, and, maybe, and hold on. I just did a, a, a posted in LinkedIn. I'm going to write an article on how to use zoom for group learning. I think that's one of the articles I have to write this week. Well, and that's, I was just going to say that we should, uh, we should accompany that with us getting online and, and actually going through and pressing the buttons and, and yeah. showing people how to, Hey, this is how you do a, how you could break people into, into rooms and, and do that kind of thing. Cause yeah, Dinah, it's, I mean, zoom is pretty amazing. You can, you can break out into small groups and then the instructor can come visit each small group and check on you. And then you can bring, you can call everybody back to the, to the main zoom session. So there's a lot of really cool things that can be done. You can do whiteboard um, sessions. Yeah. Whiteboard sessions, yeah. but these things aren't turned on by default. And yeah. if you don't know what zoom is, you think it's just, you know, straight video, you know, conferencing or whatever. So how do you, in the, in the classes that you do ask your, at least ask your instructors questions, um, how is that done? Do you just kind of wave your hand and then do it via voice? Do you use the chat feature? Um, how does that work? Um, I mean, we, I think it depends on the person, but mainly like you use like the chat or you just like interrupt them. Like most of the professors have just asked you to interrupt them when you have a question. Um, 
And like, I know you can like kind of like raise your hand, but the issue with that is um, most of the professors are screen sharing while they are lecturing. And so they can't really see your face and like the PowerPoint or like the information at the same time, um, which I think is also like, that's definitely something weird to them. And I know it makes like a few of my professors like uncomfortable that they can't like see our faces while they're like lecturing. Um, but I think one of my professors has like her iPad and her computer. And so she will screen share on her iPad, but just like be on a video call with like us on her laptop. Um, I don't know. And the other thing is like, since we've lost like that interactive piece, um, a lot of my classes and like lectures are like significantly shorter than they were in person just because it's harder for them to like maybe adapt and do, you know, like discussion questions or um, like in Latin, for example, to just like do translation work that wasn't like initially planned since it's harder to like gather your resources when you're like not in person. Right. Has, has have any of your instructors um, either recruited one of the students or had somebody else come in and act as a moderator to like, watch the chat feature and, you know, have somebody kind of be there to raise the hand for the group or is it just, are they just pretty much solo? Um, I mean, nobody's like officially been appointed like a moderator, but um, if we like, if any of like the other students see that there's like something in the chat that has like gone unanswered, we will like bring it up to the professors um, in my English lecture. Um, we have like our TAs that also like sit in on that. And so, I mean, I guess they would like act as moderators, but I'm also not entirely sure how familiar they are there because everybody's like on the same level. So it's not really like anybody can give anybody else advice. Right. Right. So, so Mike, what you asked about um, how many people have their webcams on in the, yeah, in your lectures. So how many of the students are actually sharing their cam their video? Um, I only have two classes that are like synchronous. Um, in my Latin class, I'd say it's like maybe around half, like a little bit less than half. I mean, I always have my um, camera on for that class just because it is like super small mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, so I'm more familiar with those people. But in like my huge like 160 person lecture, I like don't necessarily like ever have my um camera on just because I don't really like know those people and I also like maybe like to do other things while I'm in class which is right so so I would also assume then that the big 160 person class is that you're getting lectured at the most of the time yeah mm -hmm. so Mike and I talked about that a little bit uh, last week that probably that class would be better served to just have some asynchronous content, right? Because that's not the best use of Zoom. Um, yeah, I don't because know. There, there's not that. even an intention, right, of any interactivity. It's just, I'm going to talk at you. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the nice thing about that class, though, is that, like, now since um, we're not, like, required to be there all the time and maybe we don't have to, like, get up and leave right after the class ends is that she does stay, Um on zoom after she's done lecturing for however long um anybody has any questions for her so like we do get 
I think in this one instance, like a little bit more like time and interactivity with our professor than maybe we would in person because after that class, like I would always have to leave the lecture hall to get to my next one. But like now, if I have any questions, I can just wait until the end of the lecture to ask them. Right now, do you turn your camera on then when you when you interact with the professor at the end? Um, I mean, I haven't had any questions to ask her, but usually I'll just like keep it on so I can listen to what everybody else has to say. Okay, cool. So Mike, that gets back to the topic of socialization, right? And getting to know each other in a, in a class where it's yeah. less likely that people turn their cameras on in a, in a big group or with a group of people they don't know, right? So, well, and it's so today in class, because I'm using Zoom synchronously, uh, I had a student putting on makeup because they were getting ready for work, which was kind of distracting, but <laughs> well, initially then you get over it, right? Um, and then, you know, the amount of students who are, how do I say this? The amount of students that are letting you into their bedroom because that's where their study space is, is kind of, it's just interesting, right? Because there's a bed behind them and it's kind of sometimes messy and got stuff, you know, you're, you're getting more of a glimpse into people's personal lives than I think most people are comfortable with or accustomed to. So it does add an interesting dynamic. Yeah, def definitely, definitely. I mean, some people attend class, you know, from in their beds, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> I, I have I have to make a confession. I'm going to do it right here, right now. Ward, I've actually had a Zoom conference with you while I was in my bed. So just so full disclosure. There we go, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Dinah, it's, it, it sounds like um, it was kind of ad hoc across Ohio State. Like each each instructor, each professor had to decide – on their own, what to do, had to kind of grab their own resources and just had, they got a week and basically said, Hey, you need to figure this out. And that was, that was about as coordinated as it got. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Um, I mean, like the only thing that's like been, you know, pretty like across the board is that like policies have been made to like extend, like maybe deadlines for things that, that um, are related to like, their grades so like dropping classes or like grade forgiveness, those deadlines had been extended. Um, but we now also have the option to do pass no pass for any GE and then each department had the decision to make as to whether or not the pass no pass would also be applied to all of the classes in that department. Um, so it's more of like, I guess I would say damage control than trying to like build like a super constructive like learning environment which I mean is a choice that was made I'm not entirely sure how on such short notice they would have you know helped people become like great like online professors just because that's not a job that they ever wanted or planned to have because that's not what they were doing something we're here we're hearing a lot about that right like I, I didn't sign up to teach online. I didn't sign up to take online. Um, but side note, um, Dinah, you might want to consider running for politics. That was a very politically <laughs> ambiguous non uh, answer there. That was impressive. Yeah, it was. Well, and Mike, this gets back to what we talked about last week, right? Like you as an instructor and you, you have some technology chops, you actually came forth and, and became an honorary member of the IT team and really helped set a lot of this up and communicate out to instructors and that kind of thing, you know, your, your fellow faculty members. 
and without that, right, at a at an institution, I mean, I, I would imagine there's probably pockets somewhere at Ohio State that there's yeah someone else that in a department, one person's super tech savvy and very excited and helping people set things up, but without absent that, right, it's just this hey, we got to go online and into Dynas Point's kind of damage control, right? And now here I have to put on my politician hat. Um, even some of the places that I know that would be well suited to doing this, whether it's part of their discipline because they've got video or part of their, their, their program because they teach instructional design, something or other, like it's not happening even, even in some of those pockets, which, which blows my mind a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I probably personally trained, you know, that second week of spring break, at least 10 to 20 people face to face on zoom with how to use zoom um, and recorded content. I spent the whole week just creating content to try to help people use zoom. Um, and without me, this is not to blow my own horn, but literally like without me, I don't know that that gets done. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Right. So, Dinah, with 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 your um, professors that are teaching your classes, do you think, um, you know, say for example, if if they had it available to them to, you know, hey, you know, you could you you, you could do this and figure out how to use Zoom and add interactivity back to your classroom. Um, do you think a they'd be enthused about that, or are they just kind of like, you know, what this whole thing is is awful? I'm going to make the best I can. I hope I never have to do this again. And I'm not interested in learning more. Um, you know, are, are people reluctant or are they just like trying the best they can? And if they had more resources, they would eagerly dive into them. Um, I mean, I would say like all of my professors have been like pretty positive. Like nobody has, um, I guess, had the attitude of like, just trying to like get it over with. But like at this point, I don't think like many of their like, main focuses are on, you know, just adding the interactivity back to the class because it's not like the content would suffer that much to, you know, just not have that like 15 minutes of interaction with like your classmates. I think they're more focused on um, like the quiz grades and like how to move like test quizzes and final exams online um, because like we don't, like the only two like online resources that I like my professors are using our Carmen Canvas, which is like, you can't read, it's not a secure browser, I don't think. So like they can't um, like monitor what you're doing like on your computer. Um, and then lots of people are just like using their iPad since they're from the university instead of like computers. And then um, like if they're not going to make those like open note, then like what the expectations would be just because they can't monitor us. Um, so it's more like replacing like the tests and the quizzes instead of like making the class as similar as it was before we moved right. online. Well, Mike, we talked about that a little bit way early on with your, with your course, or I think it was a LinkedIn post that you did about how do you, how do you prevent plagiarism? And one of the ways on the technic technology course side is to have uh, what we call a code review, Dinah, where you just make somebody talk to you about their, about what they did, right? To make sure that they understood it. Uh, Mike, have you heard any other, I mean, cause that's something I hadn't thought about. How do you do summative tests or end of course tests or tests for grades 
when you're now suddenly in an online environment, you're not set up for it. So it's, it's, it's a little disheartening where what I hear from a lot of people, especially as the instructional designers at different colleges, because most colleges have at least one, right. Um, who, who, instead of an instructional designer is probably just um, the person in charge of the LMS, right? Um, most of what they've been doing at my institution, others that it, is getting quizzes and tests into the LMS, which blows my mind because we've had this technology for years. Why those things weren't there in the first place kind of kind of like that's time that if we had done that and prepared for that already then some of the time of some of these other things like hey how do you learn more, a little bit more about zoom could be more on the front burner than just trying to get these things inside of the lms um but with plagiarism specifically um a uh, a great thing to do i'm going to steal it from my friend rodney dangerfield in the movie back to school if you think somebody's cheating then do an oral exam and have a discussion with a faculty member about, uh, Dinah, tell me what you've learned in anthropology this semester. And then that turns into maybe a 15 minute back and forth conversation. The important things are gonna make sure that you can actually, if it's an intro class, at least somewhat articulate, even if it's wrong, at least you know the words or whatever the learning outcomes are for that first introductory class if it's a deeper class you pro or a, you know a 3,000 4,000 level class then you probably should actually know what you're talking about and be able to speak to that for at least 15 minutes to a half hour now again that takes a lot more time than an auto graded test but what I'm hearing from faculty is we don't even have auto graded tests we have paper tests that people are giving out pieces of paper collecting those pieces of paper grading them and then putting them in a spreadsheet and then putting them into the LMS after him. I'm just like, wow, technology is, is yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, could, we could do this so much easier if we just embrace some of the technology. Right. Does that so answer Dinah, it? I don't know. I yeah, well, and Dinah, is that what you're seeing? I mean, like before this going online, were, were a lot of your tests and that kind of thing just pencil and paper? Um. Yeah, I think like the majority of them were actually um, just because they were given like in class. So there was no need for them to be, you know, online. Um, I mean, because like my like Latin class, very small, like my recitation section, also pretty small. So it's not really like an issue of volume. So, you know, I, I guess it still is more convenient for them to do like paper pencil and then they like pass them back with like comments on them I don't know I just I guess I don't really see like a need to use more technology than we were like if we still were like in person um just because like that wouldn't be like a time sensitive like advantage you know like there's just really nothing that I think it could have like improved upon which is why I don't think anybody was like incorporating it right well, I also think people are just, you know, faculty who've been teaching for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, that's just worked for them forever. So why on earth would you even think to do anything different? Right. right. Absolutely. So interesting. So Dinah, of, of the things we've talked about, what's the, what has been the biggest change um, for you in your classes and the way, I mean, obviously, except for now you're at home and stuck. Um, 
you know, what, what's been the biggest change um, moving to this remote learning model? Um, I mean, I think just like access to the different like volume and type of information than there was before because some like my anthropology teacher expected us to, you know, take our own notes as detailed as we wanted to in class and did not share um, like the PowerPoint or like the presentations with us. But now he's kind of forced to share those with us. So now we have like access to those things that maybe he didn't like allow students to have access to in the past. Um, and I don't know, I guess just like finding the motivation to like take the same type of notes as I did while I was like listening in person again just because like everything is recorded now so there's kind of like that question of so like what's the point of like taking the notes when everything has been like collected for you um and I guess it's probably just like more convenient like eventually you know to have like all the information like collected in one spot like in my notebook um especially for having like open note tests but it's just kind of like now we have like unlimited access to literally every resource that we like maybe would not have if we were still in person um, and I think that has also you know changed the way that they think about how they're going to like give our tests and like give our quizzes just because we do have access to everything so how do they keep the level of difficulty the same when you know the amount of information that we have has changed Gotcha. That's interesting. Um, so do you have a, do you have an idea of why? I mean, I, I certainly get wanting to have people take notes and Mike, you and I have talked about that. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of evidence that even just taking the notes, even if you never read it, um, help you learn. But um, I wonder what the motivation is of not sharing the PowerPoint. I mean, other than to make sure you take notes, but I guess the danger there is, is what if I take really bad notes and I misinterpret something, right? And so, you know, I'm just wondering what the, what that is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that class has always been um, very ambiguous in like terms of discussing expectations. So, you know, I'm not entirely sure there is a logical reason because it's like we don't have access to the PowerPoints. Like we're expected to take our own notes, but then it is never like discussed with us, like what is going to be specifically on the exams. It's just that everything that we've discussed from like this date to another date is fair game. And so, you know, I don't really, I don't have an answer for you actually, because gotcha. it doesn't really make very much sense, but. Well, it's interesting to, you know, to hear you say, you know, like when it's open-ended like that or ambiguous, it's like, hey, here's a bunch of stuff and I'm going to test you on it. So naturally, right, a question is, well, what are we going to be tested over? But I think maybe even a better question and probably, you know, what, what might be effective for the professors, like, well, what outcomes are we expecting from this anthropology class or this English class? Like, what do I expect you to be able to do at the end of this, right? Because then that could guide, that could guide how you take notes and what you pay attention to and, and those kinds of things. And I mean, Mike, what have, what have you seen? I mean, like how do you motivate people to take notes, but then also make sure they have access to all the information they need? So, you know, my students um, take notes partially because I think I've 
given them twofold one uh, an actual reason to two reasons to one because i think what happens is people are under the assumption like i i can watch this video or have it play in the background while i'm doing something else and it's actually going to stick with me and resonate with me and, and, and i'm gonna be able to use that um uh so i've beat into my students uh the the idea of of taking notes and how learning works and why we take notes specifically it's not again you know we've talked about this before it's not to be able to remember later it's to help me make sense of of now so i've even used notes uh you know as part of the the means to an end for learning and not just like this whole open-ended hey you need to pay attention to all of this everything because some of it might be on a test that you have to take someday in no way, shape, or form does that even correlate to anything that we experience in the real world. In the real world, it's more like, here's all of your everything. You have total access to it. And, and, and when you, I guess, when you need to find, when you need to use it, you at least know it exists somewhere to go look for it. So whereas in that model of, hey, it's a closed book, closed note test, take notes so you're covered, versus that open model where, no, you're going to take notes because you know where to find things because that video right there, how you, one of the things that happened to me in my master's program is, yeah, I remember that from someplace, but because I didn't have notes, didn't take notes in, a, in an orderly fashion that allowed me to orientate where I was into the material or where to be able to find things. I think that's where we need to work on with the notes and, and the, the idea of taking notes. It's for you as a later person to go back and, and find things, not remember things. The other thing I do where I think we talked about is um, I collect my notes at the end of the synchronous session um, or, or the notes that people would take at the end of the synchronous session, a copy of them just to prove that they were attending class. Right. Right. I mean, the yeah. majority of my classes have stopped taking attendance, which is interesting. So now it's a kind of like yeah. you as an individual must hold yourself accountable because you don't have to listen to the lectures you don't have to take the notes. You just have to complete the assignments. And as long as you complete the assignments, nobody's going to know that you didn't listen to the lecture or do the reading or, you know, take notes, um, which this, is interesting. This is such a lost opportunity though for good data, right? Like I'm actually taking attendance, but I'm marking the people who aren't there as excused. Yep. That way I kind of can, can have some idea. Right now it sounds like in higher ed, we're just like, yeah, lost lost half a semester. Whatever happens, happens. I mean, yeah, our I attendance had always been for a grade if it was taken. So if you took attendance, it's because you were given points for it. And if nobody took attendance, then they didn't care. And now right. attendance has just been eliminated from our grades. Well, I always found when I was in doing my undergrad that um, the, the classes that didn't take attendance were the ones I was always very frightened of. Because they're just like, yeah, you don't have to show up if you don't want to, but you will get an F because there's no way you can pass this class without actually coming to class. Like a lot of my, you know, computer science classes, it's like attendance is, uh, is not mandatory, but you'll need it. So interesting. So, so Dinah, I know it's early, right? And you, what, you guys have just four weeks left, maybe? Um. I think they added, you know, a few more days for like the exam schedule. So it's not like we're getting an extra week back, but I think we're getting, you know, two or three extra days. Okay. 
Um, so what would you, um, your, your weekend, what would you like to see uh, your instructors change over these last four weeks to, to make this a better experience for you? Um, and, and Ward, we should preface that. Not that you have any, don't, don't, don't limit yourself to what you know is the reality. Right. Yeah. Well, like of, what of, we, of, yeah. If, yeah. Ideally, what would you like to see that would make this a better experience? Other than obviously being face to face again. Um, you know, I think that like in like my literature course, you know, like the breaking into small groups could be like very beneficial because we did do that um, before everything was online. Um, and then I would like to maybe like have more like synchronous lectures instead of like, you know, half of my classes just being like pre-recorded. Um, I don't know, just because I think that would be like an easier way to like clarify like expectations, like as, you know, the information was being given to us. Um, and then in my like writing class, I do wish that we were able to have that like collaborative piece of our final um, grade. So, so within the writing class, were you guys workshopping and small group type stuff there? Um, we were only going to workshop on our final paper. So we've written two previously. And so now we've just completely lost, you know, whatever we were going to have. Hold on a second. But you haven't. No. Because you, and again, this is online and remote, you can take more responsibility for what you do. Just because your faculty doesn't know how to use Zoom doesn't mean that we can't hop on a call and we can show you how to use some of the whiteboard features and annotation features that are there. And you can right. find a group of your students, your classmates, as long as maybe you, hopefully you have a way to contact them and find a small study group. I mean, that's one of the big things I see with online all the time. Where do you know I've said? Yeah. People treat online like island learning. Like right. I don't, I'm really hoping right now that even though you guys are being pushed into your separate corners of the state and the world, that you can still use these tools that you know exist, that maybe your faculty don't know how to use, but you know how to use them and can actually make this stuff happen on right. your own. Well, I'd even make an offer further than that, Mike. I mean, I don't know how well you know your professors, Dinah, but I'm yeah. gonna speak for you, Mike. If they would wanna contact us, we can show them how to use all this stuff if they want. 1,000%, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, get them in contact with us because this is a perfect opportunity, right? Because Mike does a, a screenwriting workshop uh, class yes. where they where they where they they go out and workshop all of this stuff, but they still do it online. So it's it's completely possible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, have yeah, them get even, a hold of us. Even today in our live in our sync session, I I brought up uh, we did some reverse scene engineering. We brought that up, and I, I was able to uh, show everybody um, and annotate on their exact screenplay. And I think. It's, it's hard to gauge because, again, it's hard to measure some of these things, but the engagement seemed like it was there um, and that people were, were getting value out of it. So, And that was a class, again, probably like one of yours, you know, I think 10 people-ish, give or take, 10 to 12 people. So it's doable. Sometimes people just don't know what they don't know. So, yeah, I think one of the other issues, though, like specifically maybe for my classes is that, you know, none of us are really very friendly or like talkative with each other, which is kind of like interesting is that like none of, like we just sit there and we only speak to each other when we are forced to speak to each other. So, you know, 
yeah, I'm not really sure, you know, what that means, like, for, like, this class environments, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us are really, like, but that's being forced to talk to our classmates. That's what's wild, though, Lord. Think about it. That's going to be a class where, at the end, they were supposed to collaborate, mm-hmm. and have it sounds like they haven't done anything to to build those social connections even though they were meeting face to face yeah no that makes all that stuff easier wow yeah well and the other thing dinah about this and mike and i talked about this last week that this is a golden opportunity to you know because i use zoom every day at work right this is and, and these these skills for working i mean my entire my entire team is remote we're all over the world. Some of us are in South Africa. We're all over the United States. We're, we're everywhere. And this is how we work every day. And so having those skills, being able to collaborate or, you know, do a workshop with, with somebody in a whiteboard and that kind of thing is a really valuable skill. Um, you know, even if, you know, again, you're not the most social and I get that. That's why I, I went to a big university. So I didn't have to talk to anybody, but, um, but it's a, it's a, it's a valuable skill. So again, you know, if that's, if that's something a that you're interested in and you think would make your your class better and b you think your your instructors would be open for it we'd we'd love to talk to them yeah and i mean i think this is just my experience but like my writing class which is the one that's supposed to have like that collaboration is a gen ed requirement so like nobody's particularly motivated to really probably take that as seriously as like some of us are and so i know as like an english major like i have um you know, people that I already know that I trust to like edit my papers and like give me constructive criticism. So it's not like I'm really missing any of that because I already like have people in my life that I would ask that them to do those things for me anyway. I think the people who don't care about writing at all, like aren't missing anything, you know, because they didn't want to be in that class anyways. Mike, that give, yeah. gets back to responsive learning experience design, right? What's your, yeah, exactly. what's your learner's intent? Is this a, is, is this part of my major? Am I here because I have to be here? Yeah. Um, am I here because it's, it's an elective, right? And that really changes. Yeah. Diana, that's a good point. Yeah. changes the motivation. So probably, and that's the big one, right? The 160 person class. No, that's my 20 person class. Okay. Oh, that's your 20 person class. So it would be manageable from that that number of people but nobody's probably too motivated everybody's probably except for you because you're an english major everybody's probably pretty relieved just to get through the english class and be done with it (laughs) and again that that i think this is this speaks to another failing of of higher ed where we haven't really necessarily made the explicit connections between gen eds and the wider picture bigger picture of of being a successful person, how it ties into specific disciplines, but also into right. what you're going to, what you would actually going to use in life. But right. I digress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Dinah, any other thoughts? Um, that's kind of, we kind of went through all the questions. And, I, I have a question. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Something to add. How, so um, are you using, so you guys use canvas. Are you using the mobile application, the mobile app at all before this or, or, or now? Yeah, I mean, I had mine on my phone. Um, I mean, it's all right. I definitely like, you know, the desktop version better than like the app just because you can't really open everything on like your phone. And, you know, it's just like more inconvenient. Like when I tap on the notifications, like it won't 
take me to like what I want and it'll just like open canvas. So it's not like the most mm. user friendly thing ever. Gotcha. So Dinah has, it's kind of a related question. Um, has the, have, has the communication or the way that your, um, your instructors communicate with you changed a lot? Um, and then the kind of a follow-up question, um, have they, are, are most of your instructors pretty consistent about the way they communicate with you either, you know, through canvas or via email or text or whatever that might be? Um, yeah, I mean, we would use like canvas, um, to communicate usually. And then also like email, um, is the main way. I mean, definitely we've been like getting a lot more emails than we were when we were like in person. Um, one of my classes, like my Latin class has a group me with our professor in it. Like otherwise I like tend to stay away from like student group chats just because of like the academic misconduct policies. So if somebody sends something, you know, that I'm not supposed to have in the group chat, um, I will like get in trouble for that, um, which is unfortunate. So like they kind of limit how much like contact you're allowed to have like collaborative like out of class with your classmates just because like there is always that like very real risk that somebody's going to do something um stupid and then you're going to like get in a lot of trouble for that um and then again like i said like my writing professor like set up like a discord server and i know for like um one of my friends at a different college they have been using discord for like multiples of their classes just because you can like split like the chats into like different like groups and they do like a lot of collaborative work. Okay. Have you heard of any classes using Slack at OSU? No, um, not at like OSU and then like not at like any of like the other colleges that my friends go to. Um, yeah, I think it's just mostly like Zoom and then um, whatever like maybe like email or like canvas and then like discord okay cool. yeah and i know like some classes um not at osu i don't think but like some of my um friends have like kind of mentioned that they're like have like a really um like setback like kind of instruction where it's like you read the textbook and like you do your assignment and like they're like not even really lecturing as much as maybe they would have like in person. So it's kind of turned into a really unfortunate like situation of teach yourself or you fail. Wow. Which is, which is why so many students don't like online learning. Right. Right. But, uh, no. I, may have to uh, Mike. I may have to stop recording so I can swear. Right. There you go. <laughs> So before we do that, do you have any other questions for Dinah? <laughs> um, no, I think, I think it's just, uh, um, no, uh, yep. it is what it is, what it is. It's, it's a lot of people just trying to, um, get through yep. and, and that's unfortunate. Um, but it's also, I think an opportunity for people like you, um, who know better to, to uh, take it upon yourselves to make sure that your kids and their kids don't have to deal with the same things we did. If yep. that makes sense. Yep. Just being aware of being aware of these things totally changes yep. the dynamic of whether or not they're even going to be possible. Right. Right. Hmm. Cool. Well, Diana, do you have anything else you want to say? Um, I don't think so. 
Okay. Well, thanks for uh, coming on today. And, Are you kicking and her out? Experience. Yeah. Are you kicking her out, and then you and I can rant at each other for a minute? Is that what's going on here? We can do that, or she can stay here while we rant at each other. That, um, yeah, that's Dinah, fine. Dinah, thank you, thank you. This was yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing, Dinah. This is this has been really helpful. Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Right, bye. <laughs> so, man, that was super interesting, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and 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 you know, full disclosure, I, I talked to Dinah a little bit about her experience, but I, this was really the first time we dug into it, and I, you know, cause I, I talked to her a little bit about, I knew that some were synchronous and some asynchronous, but that's about as far as we got, but it's kind of disheartening that all of the interactivity just goes out the window. And I think this is what, this is what sucks. And you, you saw the Facebook or the LinkedIn post I made, right? Probably about the fact that if we're not ready for this, as higher education, yeah. how in the freak can we, what the hell did I even say? Well, yeah. How, how can we expect, how well, can we expect yeah. to teach people to be ready for the 21st century? Right. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, in all honesty, it's frustrating because like knowing better is, is, is hard. Also knowing that like, it's not the, it's not faculty's fault because right. they're trained in their discipline. Their right. professional development is usually all around their discipline. Like, yep we need to take some of this stuff seriously from the administrative position and provide the support yep. and not, not add extra burden to faculty. It's hard enough to, to stay in front of a room, grade papers and do everything else. We, sh we aren't technologists. We shouldn't be managing LMS type stuff. Right. Um, and I'm probably going to get yelled at by somebody for saying this, but it's, it's the reality, right? Like right. all the post product, all the post production work that I'm doing for, um, video stuff. It's, yep. it's more time than I'm, than I've spent doing anything else in academia ever. Like yep. it is. Yep. Um, the, 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 the fact of setting up and running a zoom meeting and knowing what buttons to press and, and how to do things. That's not my responsibility either. There sh should be some support from the institution for setting up my meetings. Uh, and I say, Hey, Hey, uh, we're going to do uh, breakout rooms, groups of 10 or groups of five, whatever. And then uh, a TA or some monitor in the room does that for me. Like as a faculty, I should just show up to class, engage my learners and not have to worry about technology. Right. Right. At least, well, and you know, at least, and sorry to keep interrupting you. Yeah. Um, at, at least as we bridge the gap from the, the old school, that's still going to be around for a while of people who were not trained on this stuff didn't exist when they started teaching. There's no reason we should expect them to be able to do this now. Right. Right. But, well, no, I, I agree. And I think eventually it probably does become the responsibility of the instructor, just the same way that like right now you wouldn't, if you showed up face to face, you wouldn't say, well, it's not my, it's not my responsibility to know how to use a PowerPoint or it's not my responsibility to use an overhead projector or a chalkboard. Right. right? But, but this stuff needs to become as ubiquitous as a chalkboard right before people before it's like expected well and think about this though especially this technology that we're using right now this has this is more than anything else i mean it was webex uh i mean skype for a minute like this technology yep. here it's not even like an lms or a, a software i mean this is we're cha completely changing drast platforms drastically every right. couple of years yep yeah, agreed. Agreed. Now that's one of the things that, um, 
you know, just kind of talking about the company I work for, you know, they do, 2U does online degree programs. And one of the things that they've offered to some of the, some of their institutions that they do have online degree programs with is they've offered the kind of white glove training to other faculty that aren't part of those online, you know, courses, right? Because to your point, right, suddenly you just get thrown into it and, what, what, how do I, how do I do online training? So that's one of the things that, you know, to you is doing, which is, you know, nice if you're a two year university and you know, somebody that does, I mean, but again, it's probably, yeah. it's probably kind of folklore. Right. And, um, you know, there's no, there's no governing body that at an institution that says, this is the way we use our LMS. This is the way we do online. This is the way, you know, here's the training resources, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I know faculty will, will get behind or, or, or I don't want to say use, but will, 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 will bring up academic freedom as, as part of a, a reason why they wouldn't use an LMS or wouldn't do something. But at the same time, um, like consistency within how things are structured within the LMS makes it easier on our learners. Why are right. we not doing, and that was one of the things I, I think I, I texted you a quote, right? Uh, during this, like Dinah said, level of difficulty. It's like, we're, we're making these things difficult intentionally, not challenging because right. it's, just it's, it's just difficult for difficulty's sake. Right. And I'm like, that's, right. just, that's just dumb. Right. Why are you doing that? Well, and it's interesting that, that maybe some faculty bring up academic freedom. I mean, an LMS is just a tool. They don't come up with say, well, I'm not going to use a book. Books, books infringe on my academic freedom. Yeah, I mean, that, that's ridiculous. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's something that holds content, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a form factor. It's not, it's not infringing on your academic freedom. It's just a, an efficient way to get your content into your students' hands. And yeah, and I mean, this is really something. You know, I, it's hard for me not to say what I really think because of all the people who I'd piss off if I did. Um, but, but to it's only been 20 years since we've really done online learning, right? right. I mean, if we think about it, yep. I mean, you and I both re both remember, they used to want to teach you to draw by you drawing a picture of a, of, of a turtle and mailing it in via a correspondence right. course. That's still been something within our lifetime that existed. Like we are not yep. that far removed from people mailing, <laughs> snail mailing things right. to each other. Right. Um, but I think, so, but now is the time more than any other time in the history of, of all of this, where the stuff that Sir Ken Robinson has brought up, that Seth Godin has brought up, that all these yep. people, all these very smart people, much smarter than you and I put together, yep. have, have brought up. Now is the time when we really have to look at our academic institutions and say, what were we doing? What should we be doing based on the reality of the world that, we now live in, which is going to have to be able to adapt and teach people to learn. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a big challenge. It's a big opportunity. Right. And, um, you know, I have no idea if, if uh, I, I imagine even if Dinah did contact her professors, they got four weeks left, probably nobody's going to you know talk to us, but there's a golden opportunity for, some more rich learning experiences for these well, students using just the tools that they're already using. I tell you what we should do. We should do a, a responsive learning experience design 
uh, virtual conference this summer. We should do that. Absolutely. And, to, and yeah. Somebody's going to. Yep. And we just do this and yep. talk about stuff and maybe show some stuff and get people, oh, this is how you can use Zoom. Like the, this is how we're going to take the best from remote, the best yep. from online, whatever you want to call it, the best from face-to-face. This is how you can do this, folks. Yep. Yep. I don't want to say that I know things, but I do. And I'm doing, and I'm using these tools every day that yep. people don't even know exist. Right. Well, and, and, you know, we've both taken in really intensive full-time meaning eight hour a day, five day a week in person, um, you know, courses, and we've taken them online. We've learned a lot along the way. Yes. And, you know, I think we can, yeah. So I, I love it. We should do, I'm, we should do something like that. Just do a, a virtual, a virtual I'm, conference and show people how to do this stuff. I'm actually going to email, uh, the president of our college today along with our academic person and my dean and saying i want to do this for a week this summer yep we'll organize it well we can actually co-brand it i'll reach out to some people at bg who are instructional design people there um i I mean if ohio if that's what ohio state's dealing with how can we expect anybody else to not be dealing with those same things and this right because and this can't this can't be how we educate our kids right because ohio state is a is a first class research institution, right? I mean, it's, it, they have all of the resources that of, of any, I mean, you know, I can't imagine any other university having more resources than they do. And this is where we're at. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, all right. Well, that was interesting. I'm glad Dinah came on very enlightening. And uh, uh, like you said, lots of challenges, lots of opportunities. So, Yes. Yeah. So thank you for inviting her. I mean, I'd have my kid on, but they don't, they, they, they you don't want to see what I just saw. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, All right, man. Well, I will uh, catch up with you again later this week. All right. Sounds good. All right, bye.